Hey, Toogie, did you get released by WWE this week? <laughs> no, but everybody else did. Oh, my gosh. So much for job security. <sighs> so, first and foremost, welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast, uh, the show where Crash Andrews and I talk to ourselves about wrestling and, you know, may, whoever else chooses to listen, that's fine by us, but... Let's be honest. This is just two friends shooting the shooting the chat, as they say. The proverbial chat. The, the, there's an episode title right there. <laughs> Mark that one down. I like it. So we can get right down to business with uh, today's show in terms of just the random talking points that we do have. Who knows if we'll end up going down another cage match rabbit hole. Um, although. It's funny because I was explaining uh, on Twitch the other night, I think it was AJ, that said, hey, I listened to that. Maybe it was Wheelchair Hulk, but regardless, somebody was like, hey, I listened to that podcast episode. Is there somebody on that top 100 list of the worst wrestlers? Again, according to the cage match voters, go back and listen to the last show if you haven't. Is there somebody on that list that you felt like wasn't deserving of being rated that low and the answer was no not really (laughs) like the the best answer i could come up with um was somebody like oh god his name is escaping me now this is terrible um oh god uh the the demon the kiss demon dale like he he was fine he's not one of the the gimmick might be one of the worst 100 gimmicks of all time but he wasn't the most god-awful wrestler in the world. I bring this up, though, to say that in the time that we recorded that show and to now, there is somebody who has broken the top 100. Somebody somebody got into it. I don't believe he was listed. I could be wrong. I might be remembering incorrectly, and if I am, let me know. But there is somebody on this list that I do not recall being there when we did the rundown. Okay. And that is not only at number like he's not at like 95. He's all the way at number 19. (laughs) (laughs) He made it made an impact, did they? No pun intended. I don't know who it is, so I don't even know if they were in impact, by the way. Did we on the last show mention Gable Steveson? No, no, because, because he is now 19th on the list. <laughs> when you when you finally have a match, we get to actually rate how good or bad you actually are at this. That is amazing. Yeah. That is actually one, amazing uh, that he's on the list now. Yeah, one televised match, the, the Great American Bash double countout with Baron Corbin, four house show matches for NXT. And that nets him number 19 on the list, but does not net him on the list of talents cut from the WWE this week. Because what better way is there to celebrate a presumed billion dollar deal with NBC to take SmackDown from Fox? (laughs) What better way to celebrate that than the same day, the next day you cut more than like I think it was more than a dozen people in total on top of all of the corporate workers who were cut 
following the merger into TKO. I I don't like playing devil's advocate too much on this podcast, especially when it comes to WWE, because some of their moves are there's no justification whatsoever. Mm. The names on this list, there was really only one that you could absolutely say was active. And the other side, the office side, I mean, it's two companies coming together. So there was some redundancy. So I'm not going to be like, oh, they're they're terrible. You know, they're a business. That they was bound like, to happen. Yeah, okay. that, I think that the the office cuts were more expected than the um, the talent cuts. As much as there was some rumor, there was some speculation it was going to happen. Um, yeah, the office cuts, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, they're terrible because they didn't keep 16 people in their accounting when they only needed eight or whatever. It was two, two major companies coming together. So, um, but yeah, some of the names that came out were, uh, were absolutely bonkers. And, you know, to, to the point that I'm making, why weren't a lot of these guys used? So most people will know the full list by now. Mm -hmm. I am in agreement that for a lot of them, it is what it is. And I get that when you cut these guys, when they cut them, there's like the 90 day downside deal. But it does just go to show like in other companies, unless you drastically fuck up, <laughs> they keep you under contract and pay you until mm -hmm. your agreed upon deal is up. And then they just let you go wherever you want to go from there. Not saying other companies are perfect in that way. They still treat employees as independent contractors, much like uh, the WWE happens to do. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just there's just something about it where it's just so gross to me. And nobody will be nobody that listens to this or has heard me talk about wrestling will be surprised by my take on this. It's just how I feel on the subject. But I do look at the list of names. And I am in agreement that for the most part, it, it just is what it is in terms of that type of thing. Uh, going through the names, Mustafa Ali. One of the biggest hearts, like the, the little engine that could. Like anytime he was given the ball, I, th I thought he ran with it. I don't think mm -hmm. they were ever going to give him the title. I don't think they were ever going to do anything with him. But if you needed somebody in there that would show... Um, heart and determination. You were going to get it with uh, Mustafa Ali. And he was never going to get that big shot in that company. He is no. somebody who will benefit from a creative standpoint on being elsewhere. That's just a fact. You know what? Just his name coming up in all of this reminds me of one of the worst decisions. No, sorry. Not one of the worst decisions, because let's be honest, we could spend hours <laughs> ranking the hundred worst decisions WWE ever made. Goodbye. Money in the bank a couple years back where Mustafa Ali had all of his heat, all of his, you know, everything was behind him at the top of the ladder, about to reach for the briefcase and Brock Lesnar's music hits. Hmm. That was easily... Of the last maybe decade, one of the dumbest, one of the dumbest moves creatively that WWE has done. I, I, I've to this day, I've never understood it. Like if you're not at the match in the beginning, 
you, why not? Why doesn't everybody else just sit in the back of the locker room and just wait <laughs> until like mm. the match? Uh, I don't mean to say when the match is over because like it wasn't like he knew it was going to be over, but he waited back there for a good half an hour while these guys beat themselves up in a ladder match. Mm. And right when the guy who at the time probably deserved the briefcase was about to reach for it, here comes corporate. If they did a corporation <laughs> angle right now, I think it starts with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Despite the fact that they announce that Elimination Chamber will be held in Perth, Australia, Emma has been cut from the WWE roster for the second time. Um, not all that long after having uh, brought her back. So... Yeah, I think, I think that's one where they're just paying her to stay at home. Mm. They they didn't do anything with her. So that uh, I mean, I can see that one as a business deal. It's also one of those ones where it's like you bring her back a year ago. And you don't yeah, really that, do much with her. That was the after. whole Triple H, Triple H getting the power and bringing a whole bunch of people back like there's a lot like this was during when Gargano came back and trying to even think who else there was like a whole schwack load of people that uh, Braun Strowman <laughs> was another one. Like there was a lot of people who weren't in WWE that when Triple H finally got the reins before he lost them immediately. Mm -hmm. um, she was one of those people that was brought back and and nothing happened there was no reason to keep her around at this point anyways rick boogs old eric boogenhagen whose real name is a hell of a lot better than anything else who uh has of course gone on social media since to say well if vince mcmahon didn't lose power i'd still be there because he liked me it's like that's a good way to win fan support before heading out onto the indies <laughs> I think I think Boogs was the one that surprised me the most and maybe even disappointed me the most because I thought that he, given the right opportunity, like he was really picking up steam and then blew out a quad mm. at WrestleMania, right? WWE way? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> a true McMahon uh, <laughs> at WrestleMania. Um Power slam too, I think. I think he raised a guy up and gone, right? It was um, something I all I know all I remember is that match was against the Usos, and yeah, it was some kind of like lift them both at the same time thing, and then yeah, that was, Oh, that that's was right. He had them both on the shoulders. Yeah. And then his knee gave out, or his leg yeah. gave out. Um I think he had the charisma and the look. They just didn't really give him anything outside of a goofy rock star. And paired him up with Shinsuke Nakamura, which mm. if anybody needed a goofy rock star to get them over, it's Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm. <laughs> the no, I, charisma I like, vacuum known as Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> I like Rick Boogs. I, I, that was one that I, out of the entire list that we're going to talk about, this one I can't really justify other than they, they didn't give them anything to work with. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we'll rattle off some of the other names. Aaliyah, Elias slash Ezekiel, who confirmed that 
they are one and the same. They were Rick Moss and Top Dollar. Uh, the the writing was on the wall with Top Dollar for a while, I think, or at least over the past couple of weeks. Like whenever you heard his name, it it was not good. It wasn't like he was doing anything bad, but he wasn't really doing anything great either. And his name was out there and everything. So. Uh, Riddick Moss, I thought they were high on. I'm surprised that he's done. Um, Aaliyah, they gave the, the fastest match to not too long ago. And now she's gone. I think she was another Triple H move or project. And who, sorry, who is the other one that I'm missing here? Elias. Oh man, Elias. Elias had had the tools and the charisma and everything, dare I say, to be the next Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, if anybody was going to take that mantle. And honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Elias match. I haven't seen great ones, but <laughs> I, I can't really hear <laughs> sit here and say, like, he was terrible. He was entertaining. So by that standard, I mean, if according to Bret Hart, Triple H is a, a four out of ten. Elias could have been a five. Hmm? No great matches, but no bad matches. Perfectly average. Right. What a, what a nickname that would be on the independence. Perfectly average. <laughs> <laughs> you, remember, you remember Mike Sanders in WCW? Yes. Yes. Above average Mike Sanders. Wasn't he, wasn't he part of the natural born thrillers? He sure was. That was, again, I'll, I'll die on this hill. WCW had something with the new guard versus the old guard. And I'm surprised nobody's really picked it up and, and ran with it correctly. Cause I think that that died with ship, uh, sinking ship syndrome, um, where you have all the young talent going up against the old talent, uh, impact kind of did it or TNA kind of did it with the main event mafia mm. versus the, the homegrowns and stuff, but uh, the front line, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, yeah, Mike Sanders. I wonder what he's doing these days. I, I don't care. Can you name all of the members of the natural born thrillers? Oh, Jesus. I'm even trying to think. You got one uh, with Mike Sanders. Fuck. Uh, the fallen angel. No, Christopher Daniels was not there. He was, he, was there? he did wrestle matches in the company, but he wasn't a part of the thrillers. Uh Jindrak and O'Hare. Correct. Um was Mike Awesome part of that one too? Unfortunately, no. I wish. No. He was too busy being the, the fat chick thriller <laughs> instead of the natural <laughs> born thriller. Ah, right. <laughs> uh, jeez. You know what? Had you not mentioned Mike Sanders, Saunders, I wouldn't have said Mike Saunders. Um, <laughs> All right, Palumbo? hit number one. Palumbo? Who? Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo, yes. Very good. Hint number one for one of yeah. the more difficult names. He teamed with Nunzio in the WWE around 2003 on SmackDown. Was he part of the FBI? He was. He was. Uh, The guy who wore the dresses. Not Vito. Not Vito, hey? 
The other, the other member of that stable. Oh God! <laughs> the other guy. We were looking for Johnny the Bull. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's two left. One of I, them's easier to get than the other. I'm drawing a complete blank right now. So, who was Kurt Angle's first televised match against in the WWF? I have no idea. He had his own planet. Saturn? <laughs> <laughs> he once went by the name of Meat. Oh, Stasiak. John Stasiak and Planet Stasiak. <laughs> nice. Meat. Jesus. Uh, oh, and man. the last. Now um, all I can go ahead, but all I can think about is Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I've got some new friends hanging out. What's up, <laughs> fellas? Pointing <laughs> to the box. Ah. <laughs> right after, and they're just no selling it whatsoever. They could and care less that they're in a, a WWE box <sighs> at WrestleMania. What's up, fellas? <laughs> and it's just, and that's Sean Stasiak's fault too. Like that's what? the infamous story: is that Sean Stasiak spilled the beans on a radio show that he and other WCW wrestlers were going to appear at WrestleMania. So they put the fucking kibosh on whatever they were going to do. And then all of a sudden, what's their what's their presence on the show? <laughs> Bobby Eaton, <laughs> Hugh Morris, Mark Jindrak, Lance Storm, Mike Awesome, Chavo Guerrero, Stacy Keebler, Sean Stasiak, and Mike Sanders just hanging out in a box. Just... <laughs> And it wasn't Chilling even out. one of the close ones. It was like the, the ones that are above the 300s. It's like way in the back. <laughs> what? What's up, fellas? Just to him, like, just pounding the chest. Like, look at me. I'm in, I'm in a match at WrestleMania. And you're the way, all the way fucking up there. Enjoy the show. For the record, the final member of the Natural Born Thrillers was a wrestler by the name of Reno. Um, yes, Reno, <laughs> like Nevada, right? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now what he did. No, no disrespect to Reno. Nothing. There's not, there's not much to remember. I'm sorry. Fair. Um, not much at all. Hey, anytime we can bring up the natural born thrillers, even though I didn't know half of their names, I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> so, so anyway, the rest of the WWE releases. Uh, Dabakato, yeah. Shanky. Tried to then, make. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And then NXT talents, a bunch of like NXT talents. Yeah. yeah. No, no disrespect, but they weren't the biggest names. We'll have nothing to say about them. And then you get to a couple of the other big names, including the biggest name, um, Dana Brooke. Underrated. Sheldon Benjamin. Underrated. Mace and Mansoir. Overrated. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> did you did you read when uh, Mansoor was uh, released? How and I didn't know this up until this week, but he was actually held off TV when he after he won the uh, the Saudi Royal Rumble, um, because part of the agreement was he could never lose on TV. He won like <laughs> four in a row, and then they're like, okay, that's enough. That's enough for this kid. And they took him off TV because part of the contract of going and wrestling in front of the Saudis was 
Monsoor could not lose. <laughs> that was like that was a business deal. <laughs> that was an actual business transaction for WWE to have some no name uh, be able to come in and not lose so that they could get paid. The company fucking sucks. Um, Dana Brooke, I feel sorry for her. She seems very upset that like she's not there anymore. And, you know, we'll see what she does. And that's kind of like the big talking points at this point. What do uh, a Mason Mansoir do? I think there's plenty of space for them on the indies in impact is still kind of like that goofy or tag team. The big two that are interesting for me, um, aside from like Mustafa Ali, who could easily go to AEW, it's Shelton Benjamin. Mm -hmm. Because holy shit, he got another seven years in that company. Yeah. Like he was there forever when he first debuted team angle uh, and then his mama and then the gold standard. And then he goes to new Japan and then all of a sudden in 2016, he comes back to be replacement Jason Jordan to team with Chad Gable when they broke up American Alpha. And he was there the whole time. That was in 2016. Didn't uh, didn't he disappear for a little bit and then they he disappeared off TV, but years? he was still under contract and then eventually okay. came back as a uh, part of the Hurt Business. Yeah, because I, I remember him getting some solo stuff. And oh god, I I remember him like doing a promo on SmackDown, and then he disappeared again <laughs> for a while. Mm. It's like <laughs> uh, Shelton Benjamin will be back next week, and then they they don't mention anything <laughs> for like two years. <sighs> oh, that was because no no no, it wasn't it wasn't contract related. It was it was injury. He was supposed to come back, and then he had like a major injury. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest name, again, Mustafa Ali, a bunch of these other people could easily land on their feet in other companies, but the biggest name that people are focus on, focusing on is Dolph Ziggler. Nick Nemeth, who has been with that company in some way, shape, or form since, I believe, 2004. Um, uh, obviously, whether he was in... Nick. <laughs> yeah, so he was in developmental in 04, becomes Chavo Guerrero... Ah, Kerwin White's caddy. <laughs> I didn't know then, that. Then, yeah, he was the caddy for Kerwin White. Goes back to OVW. Then becomes Nikki of the Spirit Squad. <laughs> goes back to OVW again and Florida Championship Wrestling. And then in September of 08, repackaged as Dolph Ziggler. Still one of the worst names. <laughs> In the history of the company, it is. It is. He made it great, but that's a terrible fucking name. And now after 19 years, he is a free agent. The epitome of making chicken salad out of chicken shit. 100%. Like, no matter what they threw at him, he excelled. And even if it was... Now, like, the, the, the again, the image that stood out for me in all of this... Wasn't cashing in on Alberto Del Rio, which highlight like easily the top moment of his career. Um, you could run down a whole like his his feud with the Miz for the IC title, legendary. Mm. Uh, one of the greatest sellers in the industry's history. Um, which is probably how he got the image that I had was 
not too long ago, within probably the last five years, had a high-profile match against Goldberg when they were trying to make Goldberg big again. That was so weird, too. Yeah, like, why Dolph other than he's going to take a spear like nobody else? Right. <laughs> That's exactly the reason, too. And it's we like, said well, it last get one of our best sellers that happens to be somewhat expendable at the time and that's who it'll be we talked about it last podcast like goldberg need needed somebody to carry him through his entire career was he a dominant talent did he have that it factor to look amazing yes but could he run a match on his own against somebody equal or lesser to him no no, he always needed somebody who could carry that match. And who better to throw in there than Dolph Ziggler? Like, you're giving him Goldberg. You're trusting him with Goldberg. And a few years later, you're... Now, this one is interesting because um, my son even mentioned that he thought at um, the AEW, the last event at uh, Arthur Ashe. Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Um, there was a possibility of Ziggler showing up because his contract was almost up. So this one could be something along the lines of he wasn't going to resign. So just either cut him or, you know, make the 90 days actually last a little bit longer because he was gone anyways. And you know how much this guy was going to damage being on a different show. Now, right. it, it doesn't tip the scales in favor of, but that is out of that list. That is the guy that I want to watch somewhere else. I'm going to turn the channel somewhere else to watch Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth on another program easily. Then the big question is, which program is it? Is it impact? It's a huge pan or is it AEW? And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, you know, his brother, Ryan, works in AEW. Uh, Does he? <laughs> not, uh, Does he, though? <laughs> not, uh, doesn't have a huge supporter in the form of CM Punk, but, um, yeah. you know, the idea of like, oh, could like I get the idea of like, oh, Dolph Ziggler, you want to bring him in as a single star, yada, yada. I do genuinely think, though, like. You bring him in kind of like what they did with Miro. And granted, the Miro thing maybe lasted a little bit too long where he was teamed up with Kip Sabian and wasn't an overly serious character. But it did give them time to craft something different instead of just, here's Rusev, you know? It gave them time to do something a little bit different. I do wonder, like, what would be more beneficial to Dolph Ziggler at this point, to Nick Nemeth? Being a, a single star in AEW or that idea of like, man, I can have a really good run as a tag wrestler and help establish my my younger brother as someone to keep an eye out on. It's funny, though, because uh, you, know, you say younger brother, uh, Dolph Ziggler, 43 years old, his younger brother, Ryan's 38, about to be 39. Uh, so it's not as if these two guys are the, the youngest talents in the world to be building up. But um I'm intrigued. At the same time, if he goes to an impact, he's instantly in the mix for that world title. 100%. Let me throw another scenario past you, because there are some rumors of this as well. He's done. He doesn't could, need it. He, what he certainly doesn't need to, to put his body on the line anymore in a, 
in a wrestling capacity. That's for sure. Does he need to win an AEW championship? Does he need to win an Impact championship? He is one of the most talked about in our generation. Um, one of the most talked about heavyweight champions, mainly because of the cash in, mainly because of what he's done and who he's put over and how he's done it. Um, never really, like you never heard any stuff backstage or anything like that. As far as any political or like Big E, Big E was one of the first to jump on social media to thank Dolph Ziggler for getting him on the map. But it's also been like 10, 15 years since we've seen a championship run from Dolph Ziggler. So does he have anything that he wants to do or, you know, he's he's kind of got that comedic aspirations, you know, stand up or whatever, but. I there's a part of me that wouldn't shock me if he steps away, if he doesn't come back for a while or at all. It, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. Well, speaking of not coming back for a while, the final thing <laughs> I wanted to talk about from a WWE perspective was this. As of the day we are recording this, September 24th, 2023. And I quote, Roman Reigns has one title defense in the last 175 days. This is the one of the most uh, liked topics on uh, Squared Circle today. Since defeating Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 39 on April 2nd, Reigns has only defended his title once on TV in those last 175 days, and that was on August 5th. He doesn't have any upcoming title defenses in the near future, so he'll likely go well over 200 days with just a single title defense. So what gives here? He's making Brock Lesnar's schedule as champion look like Orange Cassidy's in comparison. <laughs> A thousand days as champion, but only defending 30 of them. What a fucking waste, man. Like, seriously. And I get it. Like, look, at the end of the day. Yeah. The fear of, oh, shit, are they going to disrupt Cody's momentum? That hasn't happened. It hasn't. Nope. He is. Nope. Granted, it still fucking could, because from what I've seen, there's a chance he could be working the house show circuit with fucking Omos. So, you know, who's well, to say? Isn't he working a program with or did work a program with Dominic? And, and don't there, get me wrong. That that Dominic too, one, he had the match with him. At, well, that wasn't in Puerto Rico, but that was in London, I think. Like the bottom line is the idea that, oh, we're going to hold off for a year. It's worth holding off for a year. And I when it when this first happened and Roman Reigns won at WrestleMania, I said, oh, it's Triple H trying to do his fucking New Japan thing, which for those who did not follow New Japan in the past 10 years or so, it was a common theme that they'd get to the biggest show of the year and it would look like here's the guy. But then that guy would suffer a crushing defeat. However, that crushing defeat would lead to further character developments. It happened with Okada. It happened with Naito. There has been no further character development here for Cody Rhodes. He well, is going to be do? the same Cody Rhodes yeah. in Philadelphia this upcoming April that he was this past year. And for Roman Reigns, what fucking character development has there been that could not have still happened with him not having the title? It's, Meanwhile... It's 
you could have this freaking Cody Rhodes stopgap with Dominic actually fucking mean something. You could have these stopgaps that he'll have up until the Rumble actually mean something. God forbid it's Roman Reigns and The Rock at WrestleMania, and then they'll still tout the, oh, you gotta wait to see the story play out bullshit. Again, this is why this fucking company is not for me anymore. I just, like, every time I see, like, I have friends of mine that are like, oh, man, did you see any of this? I'm just like, I, I don't. I just don't with WWE anymore. I don't. Yeah. Other companies I follow aren't fucking perfect, but the entire idea, this is this whole bloodline storyline at this point is the walking dead. You ran out of material, yeah, but it was too popular to stop. So you're trying to stretch it and it's stretched so beyond fucking thin. Roman Reigns is never on TV. Jimmy Uso is fucking floundering jay uso from my understanding is doing well on raw which is really cool but that has nothing to do with whether or not roman reigns still had the title or not he didn't need the title for jay uso to be a big name on raw solo sokoa i don't know what the fuck that guy does on a weekly basis i have never seen that guy's mentioned online in any kind of discussion Uh, Mm -hmm. and god forbid bless his heart god rest his soul jack tunney spinning in his grave 175 days without a title defense. What about the 30-day rule? I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's, it's where my head goes all the time when nobody, when somebody does not defend the title. It's like Jack Tunney, it, bring back, bring back that. Like they don't need to be in the ring. They just need to show up from Stanford via satellite or and you recorded you f- statement. <laughs> you fucking know that at some point in the next year. Yeah. They will have a storyline where Adam Pierce, or whoever the fuck the GM is, says, well, you know, so-and-so, you haven't defended the title in 30 days. Right. They will do yeah. that. They'll then, bring it up when it's convenient. But Roman Reigns can go 175 days without a fucking title reign because who the fuck cares? Oh, it's a big number. Woo. Who the fuck cares about a big number if there's no fucking substance behind it? Toogie, you have seen me put my reputation on the line for really dumb shit recently. <laughs> Shout out uh, twitch.tv slash Toogie24. The, t- the, oh, yeah. the greatest sporting Twitch stream around. It's true. Here's here's I'm putting my my reputation as a serious wrestling podcaster on the line right now. We're not getting Cody and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. We are going to get them at Royal Rumble. (laughs) We're going to get them at Royal Rumble. And Cody's going to win at Royal Rumble and take on whoever wins at Royal Rumble. I don't know who it is. I'm not going to put my reputation on the line over that hypothetical scenario. And then we're going to get three months of the buildup for the head of the table. There are too many factors pointing towards The Rock being in Philadelphia. One being um, his talk with uh, Pat McAfee Mm. on the college uh, ESPN program. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rock doesn't go on TV and talk about a scenario unless there's something to it. Mm. And they did talk about how it was supposed to happen last year and... They mentioned Philadelphia, and it was very obiguous. Obiguous. It was very like, like 
not to the point, but oh, ambiguous. Really- ambiguous no it was it was very ambiguous (laughs) there needs to be a new word to describe it that might jump in the title too um then there was um kevin hart has got like a little one-on-one talk show in like a wine cellar or whatever and recently had the rock and they talked about wrestlemania and how it's in philadelphia and how kevin Mm. hart made a phone call to Nick Khan and the rock mentioned something along the lines of you found out I was going to be involved. Therefore you had to be involved. We are going to get the rock Roman reigns barring injury. We are going to get rock Roman reigns at this WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes will be champion before this WrestleMania. I hope you're right because that would be better even yes. though I do think had Cody had the title for the entire year and then defends it against whoever at Mania, uh, fucking heel Drew McIntyre or whatever, and then gets that big win as defending champion after a year instead of three months, that would be better. The only thing that makes me uncertain about that is their history and their tendency to put the title on what they view as the biggest match, even if they do not need it. WrestleMania so- 33... Brock Lesnar Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, 100%. When it should have been Kevin Owens and Jericho for the title. Instead, that yeah. got relegated to the US title second match on the card. CM Punk. As much mm. as we've hated him recently, CM Punk should have headlined WrestleMania and instead dropped the title and got The Undertaker, which was still a pretty decent match, but the last great match of Taker's career. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I think I think the head of the table conversation starts with a Roman Reigns loss. Questioning himself, who is, who isn't. Maybe that's Rosoa Sequoia, who, you know, the the rumors out there that he was he was always a plant for the rock to keep tabs and, and all of that. Um yeah, I, I just I don't see the story being better by us waiting for Cody Rhodes to win at WrestleMania. I, and he doesn't need it. His championship run does not need WrestleMania. WrestleMania does not need him winning the championship there as well. Well, especially when he'll be in the middle of the card, defending the title while Roman and rock main event, uh, or Saturday, Sunday. Oh yeah, that's fair. They do have the two. I always forget about the, the Saturday, Sunday split. But the thing about it too, the the WrestleMania opener has started to create that kind of prestige as well. Mm. Now everybody wants to be on the last match of WrestleMania, the Sunday match. They'll take the Saturday match, but being the first match as well has started to get a little bit more of that prestige over the last little bit. So but yeah, I'm I'm willing to put my reputation on the line in saying Cody Rhodes will win the championship before WrestleMania. I think it happens at Royal Rumble. And um and I think we get Rock Roman Reigns. I everything's pointing towards that at this point and and you make the point too. WWE does not always do what logic points. Mm. <laughs> but I think I think that's where we're heading. 
This podcast proves that it's much easier to talk about things that you dislike as opposed to hyping up the things that you do. Because I do have less to say on the AEW side of things, even though I am very much enjoying what they are currently doing. I'm I'm in shock. I'm in absolute shock right now. Do you know why? You why? forgot a name that got released. Did I? Oh yes. <laughs> you have you forgotten about one Matt Riddle? Oh yeah. I'm that sitting guy. here, I'm like, are we like skipping over Riddle to talk about <laughs> it wasn't on the list I was looking at. I think that list was from before he got cut, so I'm looking at the time here and I'm like, oh, he's leaving a good chunk of time to talk about <laughs> Matt Riddle. <laughs> and rightfully so. I gotta be honest. It's just one of those things that's not very surprising. Right. There have been a lot of stories out there about him. There was the JFK incident, if you want right. to call it that, um, from earlier on. Um, he is, uh, from earlier on this month, he is a wildly talented wrestler. Yes. That I kind of recapped his stint on Twitter as saying one of the biggest examples of self-sabotage in recent history. Correct. Because if he kept out of trouble and played his cards right, I think he would have been a world champion. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the guy, but the Rollins title. I think yep. he would have. I mean, shit. It was less than a year ago he beat Seth Rollins in the main event of Extreme Rules before the Bray Wyatt return right at the end of the show. Um, and some people are like, oh, you know, writing on the wall. Um, given that, you know, hey, TKO, Dana White fucking hates his guts. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that was really the only thing that made like 100% sense. Because what you were saying, like, you know, the self... Uh, just absolutely self-sabotage. He's been doing that since day one <laughs> of his WWE career, though. Like, he was the man of 100 chances. So why now? And I think that is 100% it, is the involvement of uh, UFC. It just so happens the JFK thing just happened in the last two, three weeks. Yeah, that now they could go. Yeah, that was that was the last straw. But I I absolutely agree with you that it's it's more the merger than it is Riddle. But obviously, Riddle getting himself into. But the thing is, is Riddle has he's been the closest thing we've had to Ryback since Ryback, as far as I'm concerned. In the sense that he, I think he thought he deserved more. I think he was appreciative of every role that he got and every opportunity, but he didn't necessarily act appreciative. And there's like, you know, the, the Goldberg incident being backstage the Brock you know, as, as much, as much as we sit here and say like Goldberg needed somebody to carry him. Imagine if we actually got that match, how good it would have been with riddle carrying Goldberg. You know, mm -hmm. but the kid, the kid would go into business for himself and try and do stuff like that to get things going. The thing is, is I sat in the room, uh, was it, uh, UFC 182, 183, the one in Calgary. I actually got to, to sit in at the, um, 
the media scrum. And Matt Riddle fought on that card and they gave him a microphone and he ran down almost the entire roster. Um, he, I think he actually challenged Michael Bisbing at the media scrum. The, <laughs> the, the, the thing after the, the event and like he's, he's a no name kid and Bisbing was one of the biggest names at the time. And then he started to insult British people and their teeth and all of this trying to, you know, he shout out to Lexi in the background, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about, she didn't like Michael Bisbing either. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, Given the opportunity and, you know, maybe a little bit of egging on and stuff, he uh, he would always try and bite off more than he could chew uh, professionally. Whether or not that would have been a good fight, who's to say? We never got it. Goldberg versus Riddle, who's to say? We never got it. But I think those opportunities that he tried to create rubbed so many people the wrong way that they couldn't look past the other stuff. The I'm other stuff, by the way, the weed, Toogie, the weed. <laughs> and the weed, yeah. I'm intrigued to see what happens next. I mean, you know, I mean, there is, speaking of the weed, I mean, there's that direct one-to-one comparison of, like, oh, shit, they even put the belt on RVD, but they, you know, they also took it away from him the second it was like, oh, Rob, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and I think at that point, Riddle probably was never going to get that chance, and, um, Someone else, you know, you could argue, hey, where would he be if Randy Orton uh, was healthy? You know, back on the roster. You know, you're just never going to get to that story now. So it's it, it's an interesting one where I just, I'm just not surprised by it. You know, I, it, I it just sucks, have this, but I have this image of Randy coming back and they've got a camera and he's like, has anybody seen Matt? <laughs> Matt, where are you? <laughs> just in like true Randy Orton fashion. I did want to say on the AEW side of things, though, um, again, I think they've been doing very, very well for themselves uh, leading into this Wrestle Dream pay-per-view uh, that they have coming up. Um, obviously, they had the um, the Dynamite and Grand Slam thing at Arthur Ashe Stadium this week. I thought Dynamite itself was pretty damn solid. It was a bit controversial, of course, Um yeah, Eddie Kingston winning the Ring of Honor world title. I mean, I fucking love Eddie Kingston, so that'll never mm-hmm. not be cool to me. Um, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. While the match had some rough moments, I love the fact that they recreated WrestleMania 19. Did you, uh, with did you the even roles see reversed. the, the uh, Little Crash sent me the video on TikTok, and then yeah. he underneath he put the tights. Yeah, even the tights. They had like that's that's what I love about AEW is as much as they're doing all these callbacks, they're doing them correct so that you actually like the nostalgia factor, even though like it's basically stealing from every other company, (laughs) but who cares? Because it's, it's, they don't ignore, they don't ignore the history. Like they weren't afraid to name drop Shawn Michaels. Like I love the fact that, you know, someone goes to WWE up until recently, when all of a sudden they went overboard and Michael Cole's mentioning fucking stardom at every opportunity to be like, see the universe of it for so long. WWE was just, we're insulated. Oh, where, where did Finn Balor wrestle before Japan? Right. Where in Japan, Japan. 
That's it. He wrestled in Japan. AJ Styles was an international superstar. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously they've lightened up on that a bit recently, although who knows with Vince back at the helm. Right. Um what happens from there, but it is that idea of AW is not going to try to insult your intelligence by acting as if these people did not exist and that nobody's ever seen them before until they were on their television. And I respect the hell out of them for that. I think that's the right way to play it off. I mean, especially to a Chris Jericho, you know, I didn't even think about it, but that idea of like, oh yeah, shit, the, the kind of reversal of the roles, it made sense. The idea that Jericho is now the veteran taking on a guy that, looked up to him and that is molding himself after Jericho, like Jericho did with Shawn Michaels. Like I honestly, my only complaint about this is granted, they've been building it up to for a while. I was almost just surprised that this was the moment, uh, but I kind of like it because they mm-hmm. tease that idea of like, Hey, they're going to go after the tag titles after this match. So I thought, okay, somebody wins. And then they start going for the tag titles. You tease that further dissension and then the blow up. And instead they just, hit the blow up here, which to be honest, I, I do think was the right timing. Um, surprising as it was. And then they put Sammy Guevara with Don Callis, which I think is a good way to go about it. Don Callis, you know, Sammy Guevara is not terrible on the mic. He's also not in the top 10 of the company. No. And you give him that extra time to work with the Don Callis and to still kind of cultivate that speaking ability that you could tell earlier on this year when they did the whole four pillars thing. Uh, with Jack Perry, Darby, Sammy, and MJF. Uh, Sammy was second, maybe third, depending on where you rank Darby. With Unfortunately, at the time, Jack Perry pretty far down. He's gotten a lot more incendiary on the microphone in the past couple months, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think for Sammy Guevara, it's, it's a good spot for him to be in. Um, Soraya, Tony Storm, had a really fun match. I just think people might view it as, oh, the wrong winner, but I'm not against the idea of them continuing to build up the Tony Storm character that she has now because its entire basis is around the fact that she's lost her fucking mind after losing the title. So for her to get the title back so quickly doesn't make too much sense. Right. MJF Samoa Joe was great. Um, they pulled out Steiner math. Oh, Steiner <laughs> math is so fun. So good. It was so fun. Yeah. The one match, obviously, that has the biggest talking point, and that's just how things work. As I mentioned, you could talk about the positives, but what's what's going to be more talked about in a general Mm -hmm. sense? And it's the negative, which was the Ray Phoenix, John Moxley situation. Right. Yeah. Where it looked as though and we don't know for sure, but a lot of people are speculating that Moxley was hurt very, very early on, carried on. There was the situation at the end of the match. With the pile driver, it was a safe pile driver, by the way, um, where Rick Knox, the referee, didn't count three because he didn't hear the audible. And he's like, well, that's not the finish. And then they do it again. And then Ray Phoenix wins the belt because Moxley suffered a concussion. Um, I can't say that the people who like there are some people, obviously, who are going to take it as like, oh, yes, here's my opportunity to shit on AEW. But at the same time they do deserve to be criticized and critiqued because it is not the first time that somebody has gotten hurt and a match continued when it should not have. Uh, The most infamous example is Matt Hardy 
in a match with Sammy Guevara where he went through a table and hit his fucking head and was clearly out of it, and they didn't stop the match. Wasn't that um, in a stadium stampede? It, what, it was in the Jacksonville era, so it did happen backstage. Right. It, yes. it might have been stadium stampede. I just recall it happening backstage. I don't think it was, but I could be wrong. Right. Um, no, but this, just, I mean, you think it's, about it's like, one of those things where the match shouldn't have shouldn't have continued. You think about um, like they're both WWE references, but Stone Cold Steve Austin wrapping up Owen Hart after breaking his neck. Mm. Like maybe an audible because the image of the end of that match is not favorable. It's not gross or anything like that, but like one of the weakest wrap ups you've ever seen. I don't think if they wanted to continue what Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be, they could have still had Owen win that match and still, you know, gotten the payback later on. One of the other ones. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. The problem with the whole Owen Hart thing was that the stipulation of the match was that if Owen won, Austin had to kiss his ass. Fair. So that's okay. why they panicked and they're like, well, we can't have Owen win. How the fuck do we get out of this? As if you couldn't have just had Owen win and then have someone run down for the save and then tease the whole idea of Austin's got to do it. And then yeah. he just never does. Like it That's where Angel or, or uh, Cornette or whoever was with him at the time needed to run down and, and uh, take care of that one. The other yeah. one which was how not to continue a match or how not to end a match mm. was um, that jumps out was Big Cass versus Enzo when Big Cass uh, tore his quad or whatever it was outside of the ring and he just like stopped instead of getting in the ring and letting Enzo pin him he just sat there it was on Raw do you remember that at all? vaguely it was right after like they split up or whatever, and Enzo was not supposed to win the match, but because he was in the ring and Cass, you know, I remember there was criticism against Cass as well because he didn't do the right thing. It, it really didn't seem like he was in a position where he couldn't have finished or did a finish outside of just sitting out of the ring and getting counted out. Hmm. But it was just so bizarre and disjointed and you knew Enzo wasn't supposed to win that match just the way how it all um, finished or whatever. So, you know, good, good on uh, AEW for recognizing. And I mean, honestly, is it that far fetched that Penta shouldn't have won that match? Granted, you know, Moxley should have held on to the title being Moxley for a long time. But it's not like it was like an undeserved uh, challenger for that title. Yeah, I mean, you know, both of the Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and, and Penta, uh, two guys that people always kind of name. It's like, oh, man, they're not doing enough with these guys. So the idea that Phoenix would win the title. Oh, it was Phoenix. Not, I thought it was Penta for some reason. Yeah, it's OK. Um, you know, Phoenix winning the title wasn't something that was like, oh, uh, no way with that. It's not like he was in the ring with local jobber number two you know right um look it's a bad look it's not the first communication breakdown to ever happen Mm -hmm. but they do deserve critique for it because they you need to be better 
You need to be better in those situations. And it's not an easy thing to have a 100% track record with. But the problem is this could have gone horrifically. Yes. Bottom line is if John Moxley was, in fact, concussed from the opening minute of that match, that match went 11 minutes. Right. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. See, and oh. I, the clips that I saw was just from that final. His head hit the mat. Not terribly but enough that I thought it was more the ending than it was the entire match there's been debate over that too yeah. which is another reason why it's like well we don't know the full situation of what happened there's a lot of people Phoenix did a dive off the they had like the old school like WCW style elevated ramp yep. yeah, and yeah. Phoenix did that dive off of that and it looks like he hit Moxley straight in the head and that Moxley might have been rattled but at the same time the way John Moxley sells Mm -hmm. You could also buy like, oh, shit, maybe that was where he was hurt. Maybe it wasn't like he's just that's just kind of how it goes with him, too. <laughs> so, yeah. But that aside, uh, they have that Wrestle Dream pay-per-view coming up on October 1st. I think the card for it uh, looks absolutely fantastic. And it's been hyped up by Tony Khan essentially throwing around the term like, hey, it's a new era that we're heading into. Obviously, in referencing to Phil, um, especially now that we know that apparently Phil is, will not be suing Tony Khan because, uh, yeah, we kind of knew when Tony Khan addressed the, the Phil situation that uh, he wouldn't have worded things the way he did mm -hmm. if he uh, wasn't legally secure. But he's hyping this up as a new era. As always, the card on paper looks fucking awesome. It just does. Like, you know, you can look at this card and people involved, and there might even be matches where people are like, eh, you know, like um, Cole and MJF against the Righteous, who have been more of a Ring of Honor act that are getting a little bit more TV time now. Mm -hmm. But you still know that the match is going to be good, even if you don't have the most interest in it. The Righteous um, also being the uh, the Firefly Fun... Firefly... Funhouse at one time. Isn't yeah, that Dutch and Vincent yeah, yeah, were rumored that, to be a part of that? That was the group where yeah, they might have been uh they might have been a part of it. And you can definitely tell, like, there is that whole cultish vibe that they look for yeah. with their act. Um I I just think this card again is gonna be awesome. And it's you know, am I necessarily excited to be like, oh yeah, fifty more dollars after two pay-per-views recently? Not necessarily, but you do know if you pay for it, you're gonna see a really kick-ass show in ring. Yes. And then whatever that tease is, like that whole idea of this new era, is that just a general statement? Are you teasing something in particular for this show that'll really get people talking uh, coming out of it? Who's to say? But it, it is always nice to have that anticipation. This is this is the natural born thrillers pay-per-view, Tugi. This is new blood rising. Let's go. <laughs> you know what? Here's There's uh, just looking how, at this. How about like, new brood rising? Because here comes ooh, Adam Copeland. I, I like it. Um, <laughs> there's one match that they've done so amazingly building the story, not necessarily between the two, but a recent champion that I think they really shit on somebody to make somebody else uh, continue his amazing work, and that's Christian. Christian Cage versus Darby Allen, best two out of three falls match. Now, Why isn't this Fuchisaurus? Champion. Why isn't I, this honest, 
the, the storyline's been so fucking good, though. This has it been has some been. of the best work of Christian's career. The question is, what do they do with Luchasaurus coming out of this? But when Christian won the title on Collision, despite wearing a mask, man, you could... I thought Luchasaurus was selling the, the frustration and the disdain really well. Like, you are going to have that monster turning on his master moment. Right. But to have a Christian actually beat him to the punch? Like... I, I honestly think that they've done more damage to Luchasaurus, who could have come out of this looking like an absolute star. And it just so happens that, as you said, we're getting the best Christian we've seen. Period. His his mic work, his character is the best he's ever done. At the at the risk of, you know, chopping uh, one of the young stars at his knees in Luchasaurus. I, I don't see how Luchasaurus can come out of this. Any, how do you, how do you have Luchasaurus win against Christian right now? I think Luchasaurus winning and turning on Christian would build that program. And maybe down the road, you give it to Christian, but I just, it, I'm conflicted with this because Christian is one of the most talked about and one of the best workers that AEW currently has. But you, when Luchasaurus won the, the TNT, it really showed that they saw something in him, but it has been the Christian show <clears throat> since. So what do they do with Luchasaurus with this? And the fact that he doesn't have the match on this pay-per-view to me speaks some volumes. I think it'll come down to the follow-up of it. You know, I think for now you have to go with the, the hotter hand on the Christian yeah. side of things, because I think there is always a way for someone like Luchasaurus to bounce back, especially to, was he ever going to be world champion as Luchasaurus? Uh, you know, I could make the argument that heel Luchasaurus would be a better champion than than face Luchasaurus. That's fair, Especially but with Christian with him though, that's the caveat. Like having a having a talker, having a a voice like a Christian or somebody to that extent. Maybe he joins Don Callis. Hmm. I, I don't think he does it on his own. So the fact that they separated them and then put the title on Christian still confuses me a little bit. I think, you know, again, I think it's a fair concern, that idea of like, okay, where do they go with someone like that? Especially two, you have some stories like that where it's like, okay, did they, like the Wardlow, for example, mm -hmm. how hot he was the night he squashed MJF at, what was it, double or nothing last year. And now, you know, kind of, you know, they dropped the ball. They did. They weren't able to keep up the momentum uh, that he had and the popularity that he had in the aftermath of it. Um and I, I could see why people are just like, all right, you know, you, it, it's that tough balancing act of here's name value talent that you never thought you would have. And how do you utilize them properly to build up your younger talent without completely overshadowing that younger talent in the long term? In the short term, it's OK. In the short term, it is perfectly fine that they are running with Christian Cage as, again, someone who is on one of the best runs of his career. But you are right that long term, 
you want to make sure that you don't totally ruin any potential that you had with someone like Luchasaurus. I think they have. I hope that they haven't, but I think that they have because his title reign was more about Christian than it was about Luchasaurus. And they never really showed that, that separation until that match where Christian ended up winning the title. So I like good on him for putting him on, as you say, the put the title on the hot hand, but I think it was at the, at the risk of knocking Luchasaurus back down to the bottom of the, uh, bottom of the card. Uh, I don't see how he comes back. Like he could even get involved in this match, but then orange Cassidy could win the title and like, there's no story there. Darby I don't know. Know what you mean. Yeah. But I, I get Darby your Allen. point. I Sorry. don't know. Yep. Like I said, I think time will tell essentially. Um, but I, I do see what you mean to wrap up this show. Let's talk about some history. I mentioned <laughs> that we are recording this show on September 24th. And again, as always, this comes from TGRWrestling.net, a lovely, lovely resource for something like this. By the um, way, it's the, the day before Little Crash's birthday. I got to throw a little <gasps> shout out. It's his birthday on the 25th. Happy birthday, Little Crash. That could be the episode title. On this day. <laughs> <laughs> you were born. <laughs> Let's see. 1990. Herb Abrams Universal Wrestling Federation held their first ever TV tapings in the former home of PWG, Reseda, California. A stacked 21 match card featured a list of talent, including Cactus Jack, Tom matches. Sorry, hold on. 21 matches? For this TV taping, yeah. Okay, but this wasn't one show. Like, they would have... This would have like lasted. It would have been broken up. Yeah. yeah, this would have been three months of programming. Okay. <laughs> Good old Paul Orndorff, Doctor Death, B. Brian Blair, and others performed in front of uh, four hundred and fifty people. <laughs> Twenty-one matches in front of four hundred people. If you were at this show, you are a legend. You love professional wrestling. Whether you're in the, the, the card or whether you watched it, you are why we're here. I bring this up to say that if you haven't seen the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the UWF or uh, someone like Brian Zane wrestling with regret on YouTube, his video about the company, it is worth your time. Uh, it is one of the most bizarre stories in the history of wrestling. This absolute madman that tried to run a wrestling promotion and just it's 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 crazy is all I can say. It is craziness from top to bottom in terms of what the hell they tried to do and how the hell they tried to do it. Especially with their uh, their three or the two pay per views um, that they ran, which was uh, UWF Beach Brawl in 1991, um, that had 500 people in attendance at the uh, Manatee Civic Center 
in, I believe, uh, Palmetto, Florida, that has an attendance or the capacity of 4,000 people. They put 5,000 <laughs> in the building. And then in September of 94, the Blackjack Brawl. Um, actually, yesterday was the 29th anniversary of the show. The Blackjack Brawl that they held at the MGM Grand. No. Which How? holds... 17,000 people with bleachers. How many showed up? 600. (laughs) (laughs) There's, how do you, like, no wonder this business did not last because you booked the MGM Grand with only 600 tickets. Like, there's no way, there's no, you don't get the MGM Grand unless you pony up the money. It's, There's no uh, way you get the manatee home of whatever the fuck <laughs> manatee in the, in the title of the arena. It's not like that's $500 to rent for the night. It's got the name manatee in it. Come on. That's, that's top dollar. No pun intended. Top dollar. No, no pun intended to get released, bitch. I don't really care. <laughs> On this day in 1996, WWF produced In Your House 3 Triple Header in Saginaw, Michigan. Crash Andrews, I want to know, would you go back and watch this card? It kicked (laughs) off Savio Vega against Waylon Mercy. Okay, I know you weren't a big Savio Vega. We've mentioned him and you've shit on him pretty, pretty much. The two times we've mentioned him on this podcast. Um, I liked Waylon Mercy's character. We talked about him with Bray Wyatt's passing. So Mm. I don't mind this match. I'm sure they only gave him three minutes. Seven. Seven. Okay. Still, that's uh, that's an underrated match as far as I'm concerned. Psycho Sid against Henry Godwin. Jesus. No, thank you. (laughs) Also, seven minutes long. How <laughs> <laughs> was Psycho Sid the second match of a pay-per-view? The British Bulldog against Bam Bam Bigelow. That should... On paper, that should be a banger. That should be a banger. Be. For- Dean Douglas against Razor Ramon. That should be if it was Shane Douglas versus Scott Hall, mm. we would have had a better match than Dean Douglas versus Razor Ramon. Bret Hart against Jean Pierre Lafitte. Ah, PCO. PCO. Dude, I saw him live in person this past or this summer, and I don't know if I can say he still has it, but. He is a draw. He is amazing. What he does at this point in his life to his body. Uh, thank you for your service, sir. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I he stole the jacket. That he was did. the yeah, whole he stole yeah. jacket. He was a pirate. He stole Brett's jacket. He had Fuck him. Match. Beat him up. You don't steal, you don't uh, tug on Superman's cape, you don't spit in the wind, you don't steal the hitman's jacket. Now, I mean, everybody knows this. Your main event. I want to make a joke here about Backlash 2001. Do you remember that main event? No. 
It was Triple H and Stone Cold as the power trip. Yeah. Against Kane and Undertaker. Okay. In a match for the tag titles and the WWF and Intercontinental titles. It was winner take all. Okay. As was this match. Diesel and Shawn Michaels, the two dudes with attitudes. Let's go. Against the British Bulldog and Yokozuna. So Davy Boy had two matches on this card. Double duty Davy Boy. The thing about this was that it was supposed to be Yoko and Owen Hart. Right. Owen could not wrestle. So Sean and Diesel pinned Davy Boy. So the next night on Raw, it was, oh, well, you didn't pin Owen Hart, so you technically didn't pin a champion. So Hart and Yokozuna were rewarded the tag titles in one of the dumbest finishes. I wonder why WCW was winning in 1996. I was that's I was like, okay, so Owen would have been IC champion, but Yoko wasn't heavyweight champ but it was it was diesel and sean diesel is wwf champion yo uh sean is intercontinental champion and yoko and owen were tag champions sean was ic after oh that's right because diesel actually won the heavyweight championship before sean i forgot about that yeah that's insane that's amazing i think there's a typo here this was 1995 not 1996 but you get the point because if it was 96 then yeah sean would have been champion at that point diesel was gone so, right. Typo on the website, TJR. Sorry. Still love you. There was another WWF event that took place on this day in 2000. Unforgiven 2000 from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, by the way, would you go back and watch that in your house? Mm. <laughs> Moderate interest. Maybe if Little Crash wanted to watch it for whatever reason, but yeah. Like I said, like the matches that I'm more interested in are kind of underrated and I know aren't going to have that much impact. It'd be kind of cool to see Savio versus Waylon Mercy for whatever <laughs> reason. Whereas like watching Sean and Diesel versus British Bulldog and Yokozuna, like you... <sighs> Without knowing the result, you already know that era. It was Sean and Diesel. Like, there's no point watching that match. Unforgiven 2000 opens with the right to censor. Bull Buchanan, the good father, Val Venus, and Steven Richards. Taking on the APA and the Dudley Boys in an eight-man tag. Quick shout out to Steven Richards for calling out Nia Jax again on his <laughs> YouTube page. <laughs> Keep doing it. Keep. Let's go. Keep going. Um, Some interest in that one. Taz against Jerry the King Lawler in a strap match. <laughs> why did they? Why did they not give Taz anything to work with outside of? Kurt Angle in his first match. Taz should have been amazing in WWE. Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't need to see, I don't need to see Jerry Lawler in the 2000s take on anybody. (laughs) 
Did you see his goatee from his convention appearance this weekend? No. Oh yeah. If you search Jerry Lawler on Twitter, he's got a he's got a uh, a nice white goatee rocking now. But I'm glad oh. he's still with us. I thought I didn't. He have a beard recently? Maybe. Yeah. But he's definitely rocking the goatee now, which uh, which I respect. But it's weird to see Jerry the King Lawler with the gotcha with the goatee. Next up, a hardcore battle royal. He looks like, sorry, I'm going to, it's a Toogie take podcast reference, but he looks like Sin in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) He does too. Love you, Sin. (laughs) Amazing. Hardcore battle royal for the hardcore title. Al Snow, Funaki, Test, Crash Holly, Perry Saturn, and Steve Blackman. Yeah, I'm in. Chris Boy. Jericho against X-Pac. <laughs> no. No thanks. No, not for no. you? No, that's not a good matchup at all. The that Hardy Boys. Been, that, had, that had to have been when like Jericho was starting to get the momentum back after mm. debuting and then being off for a bit because he was more WCW than WWE. Right. That had to have been when he was coming back and, and had learned the ropes, figuratively yeah. speaking. He was a few months away from feuding with Kane over a spilled cup of coffee. Right. The Hardy Boys against Edge and Christian for the tag titles in a steel cage. Just do that for the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. Right yeah. there. That's the one. Eddie Guerrero defends the Intercontinental title with uh, China at ringside against mm-hmm. Rikishi. Surprisingly, I want I want to watch that match. Me too. Rikishi <laughs> was a good worker. Like we don't need to talk about Eddie Guerrero and and how he was in the ring, but I Rikishi never really disappointed. Mm. Except when he sang. Fair. Put or a when little he did last on it. When he did for the people. (laughs) Or hot lesbian action. No disqualification match with Mick Foley as the special guest referee commissioner Mick Foley. Triple H against Kurt Angle. Yep. And right in my veins. 2000s Triple H and Kurt Angle. Ah. Right there. I was a huge fan when everybody hated Triple H. He was my guy. I loved like McMahon Helmsley era. Anything Triple H was doing in that the Rock feud, uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin feud around the uh, Intercontinental title. Um, he he was amazing as far as I'm concerned. One of the best heels WWF has ever seen. And your main event. The Rock defends the WWF Championship in a fatal four-way against Kane, The Undertaker, and he who shall not be named. See, and we talk about this. Like, this was the era. They had this so right because when The Rock needed time off, they had six guys that could step in. And two of them had already wrestled on that card. Mm. And the other guys were in this match, and then you also had... uh, did you you didn't mention Stone Cold? Stone Cold must have 
he was still out with the I did it for the rock. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So like the way they built their stars at that time. Yeah, if the rock wanted to take some time off or got injured, five other guys would step up and be able to run the company. You don't have that today. Also, I don't necessarily need to go back and watch this one either. I would. I'm I'm all in on going back yeah. to watch this one. I think this would be a really fucking fun show to go back and watch. I don't know why. There's something about like the early 2000s where I'm like, I'm good. Like I leave the I memories don't know alone. That, yeah, I think it's that whole like, yeah, I I get it. I understand why it's happening and I under, I, I understand where it's going. So I don't necessarily need to watch those again. Fair. Plus, like a lot of the ones that you've mentioned are absolute chaos. I think those are the ones that I actually (laughs) want to spend time watching is the ones that are like, why? Yeah, let's do it. I do want to mention as well that there's two other events. Um, One was a Ring of Honor um, event from 2005. What was their annual survival of the fittest tournaments? I only want to mention it because it was essentially a one-night King of the Ring. Uh, but this card had Jay Lethal, Colt Cabana, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Jamie Noble, Nigel McGuinness. Like, you can see just so many, like, relevant names to this day. Uh, Samoa Joe, in my opinion, chief among them. It's just really fun to kind of go back and look at those cards from that era of ROH and just be like, oh, shit, who's still relevant? Where did they go from there? Mm -hmm. Um, A really fun one. But the other event, TNA No Surrender 2006. I I love these, by the way, because because we're an audio podcast. When you mentioned the year and the show, You light up and I'm sitting over here like, okay, what's he going to bring out? Mm -hmm. I don't, I I don't make those connections, but even though you have everything right in front of you, you just saying the year and the, I'm going to test you on one of these where I'll just name (laughs) the year in the pay-per-view and you've got to name at least three matches (laughs) and I'm sure you'll, you'll nail it. I'll try. Yeah, certainly try. Um, (laughs) This card started off Eric Young defeating A1, who was uh, a fellow Canadian wrestler. They were a part of Team Canada together, but he had probably the worst ring name of all time, A1. It's a good steak sauce, I'll tell you what. Also, shout out to to, uh, uh, Duggan. Mm. Like, he was part of Team Canada when he shouldn't, and he's had (laughs) some... uh, he had a rough time the last little bit. Yeah. Just, we love him. Axel's Axel's still him. We yeah. love him. Drank a um, lot of lake water and got better. <laughs> <laughs> the key to life, lake water. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, A1's real like legal name, Alistair Ralphs. Did he go on to do anything else? Not like, really. Do no. we know him from anywhere else? No. If you didn't watch Impact, you'd never know him. Gotcha. Jay Lethal against Petey Williams. That should have been a good match. I I, I would be in for that one. Triple Threat, No Disqualification, Abyss, Raven, and Brother Runt, a.k.a. 
Spike Dudley. <laughs> oh my god. Like Spike Dudley, you need to watch just to see how much punishment he puts into that little body. Darby Allen before Darby Allen, Spike Dudley. Yeah. You know, I still reserve the as much hope as I can give that we're going to get Abyss in a Royal Rumble. Which I'll pop, I'll go insane. That <laughs> if we get Abyss coming down the aisle in a Royal Rumble. Now, if it doesn't happen in like the next two or three years, it's not going to happen. But the fact that he's a producer for WWE right now, Joseph Park, it needs to happen. We just need, and I don't care that it happens at like number five. Just make it if happen. If it was ever going to happen, it would be in 2024. They're in Florida, St. Petersburg. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Florida, you know, especially the Orlando area, more so than Tampa area, but that was the home base for that promotion for years and years and years. If there's any spot in the country where he would get the biggest reaction it's the florida region or somewhere like nashville so and you can't tell me that they've never brought out people that nobody knows except for the locals on sewer on sewer like i i want to see abyss in a royal rumble i i think that would be an amazing send-off for uh for joseph park's career this has vince russo written all over it a triple chance battle royal to determine the number one contenders for the tag titles. Consisting of the Naturals, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. If you didn't watch Impact back in the day, you wouldn't know them. I, I liked them. They were all right. Uh, the James Gang, BG and Kip. <laughs> the Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Not, they're not Voodoo Kin Mafia at this point? They weren't point? yet. Not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> Heck and bottom. <laughs> Meet me at the Alamo. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh, Road Dog's so shit. Uh, Americans mo America's most wanted of Chris Harris and James Storm. One of my favorite tag teams ever. Absolutely. The Paparazzi's. Alex Shelley and Johnny Devine. Another more famous. Uh, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. The Diamonds in the Rough, David Young and Elix Skipper. God, Elix Skipper should have had a bigger career than he had too. He he'll just be remembered as the guy who and you know it's a hell of a thing to be remembered for, but he will also be remembered as the guy who did the fucking hurricane run off the top yeah. of the cage. Yeah, the uh, the uh the X What is it? what do they call them? What the Ultimate the X? Ultimate X Division. Yeah. 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 You also had, oh God. Around this time, Raven was reinventing. Oh no, I don't what's it? Yeah, I think this was the time. Raven was reinventing the flock, except they were called Serotonin. <laughs> and uh two of his members of the stable, Frankie Kazarian and Maverick Matt Bentley, aka the cousin of Shawn Michaels. Um <laughs> He also had R-Truth, Ron Killings, teaming up with Lance Hoyt, a.k.a. Lance Archer. Okay. And the final team, Shark Boy and Norman Smiley. 
I love Tell him. Tell me that doesn't want to make you buy that pay-per-view. <laughs> Norman Smiley was must-see TV for all the wrong reasons, but it was still must-see TV. I just can't look away. <laughs> <laughs> when he broke out the wiggle. Oh, God. X Division Championship match, Chris Sabin against Senshi, a.k.a. Loki. I'm sure that was an awesome match. I mean, those two. Loki's a knob and a half, but I'm sure that right. match was phenomenal. Christian Cage against Rhino. Um, Then, not that excited about, but like if it was prime Rhino versus Christian Cage now, mm. if that makes sense. That'd be fun. I don't know. Like... Right wrestlers, wrong time. For the tag team titles in an Ultimate X match, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels against LAX, Hernandez, and Homicide. Yes. Yeah. We should have seen more of LAX somewhere else. That match, I I need to see that because I don't remember it. So um, definitely need to see that. And then the main events. A fan's revenge lumberjack, which I think was fans bring the weapons. I think, again, fucking Russo era. Who knows? Samoa Joe against Jeff Jarrett. A match you can see this Saturday on Collision, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Fan's revenge. Out of those three, the In Your House, the Unforgiven... And the no surrender from TNA. Which one would you go back and watch? You had to watch one. What's your top choice? I am going to go with TNA only for the reason of I neglected prime era TNA. That's fair. Like, I don't know if I'd watch Impact right now. A shout out to them for a thousand episodes we haven't touched on. And a lot of these guys, a lot of these names came back for the show as long as they weren't mm. contracted to bigger and better companies. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I'm missing out on a lot by not watching TNA. That That's the reason. As far as like the cards go, maybe it's WWE. Like the the first one, the in your house. Mm. There's not a lot of interest based on like the the Wayland. gravity of the card. Waylon Mercy really won you over. He sure did. <laughs> I'm telling you, like that character. I don't know if I'm like reminiscing because of the whole Bray Wyatt situation or whatever, but like that was a very interesting character, and Dan Spivey was a very good wrestler. But maybe it was just catching with me and nobody else that it didn't really go too far. I think he actually had a program with Brett in if it wasn't before that, it was shortly after. So there are also four notable birthdays. We want to say happy people, uh, happy, happy people, happy people to these fine birthdays. (laughs) Sonia Deville. (laughs) Underrated. Solid. Shane Thorne, a.k.a. Slapjack of Retribution. (laughs) Very underrated. Like, I don't know what you do with him in WWE, but I find him to be a very good technical hard wrestler. 
Christopher Nowinski. Uh, one of the smartest men to ever come out of professional wrestling, and the fact that he got out when he did is um, jarring and impressive. And last but certainly not least, a happy birthday to the creator of women, Stephanie McMahon. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie, Toogie. Probably the biggest crush I've ever had in professional wrestling was Stephanie McMahon. That's, you know, that that's fair. What, what era both. of Stephanie are we talking? And what era in general are we talking about? Though? Not so much Dad the Undertaker took my teddy bear, <laughs> Stephanie McMahon, but shortly after. And honestly, to this day, she still finds ways. So, and also, uh, one of the smartest people to come out of professional wrestling, the fact that she got out when she did was jarring and impressive. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i think it i think it was where it started was when she was started wrestling when she actually got in the ring and won the divas championship and you know showed that she could i'm using quotation fingers hang with the women um i don't know there's there was something about her that the whether it was the power or it was um yeah one of, one of the biggest crushes that I've ever had coming out of professional wrestling. Crash Andrews, a big fan of strong women. Mm, not all of them. <laughs> like, not Nicole Bass. Not Cage really big match, fan. Worst 100 nominee. <laughs> Nicole Bass. And it comes full circle. Let's go. It does. With that, everybody, we will have to wind things down. You can find me, of course, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Toogie24. You know the deal at this point. Crash Andrews, where can fuck the people Elon. find you? I don't want to be found in, in fucking one. Some, you have some lovely words to uh, send us off with. Uh, Twitter, Crash underscore Andrews. Uh, we didn't shit on Hulk Hogan during this entire podcast. Not once. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, talking about Hulk Hogan and pyrotechnics. At least he doesn't have to worry about his hair catching on fire. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>